live from Twitter. <laughs> this is the Twitter space of the Fighting Five Foot Irish Nothing Faithful show. Uh, we had so much fun doing this last year, a combined show of Five Foot Nothing Pod and the Fighting Irish Faithful show. And uh, let's do it again because at the end of the season, it's time to bullshit around. Uh, this is Joe at Faithful underscore Irish on the Twitter, and I am accompanied by my co-hosts tonight. You've got Michael, who's out in West Coast Irish land. Red Snapper, 9098. Your mic is literally cutting out at the most key point. No. Oh, this is not good. Well, we're joined with Five Foot Nothing Pod while he gets his shit sorted. So that's fine. Uh, right. So let's see. Notre Dame uh, ended the season nine and four above the rim of kind of what um, is the average for a new coach at a good program. Uh, a little below some people's expectations, but I think they're realistic and it was kind of an up and down roller coaster. So it is what it is. And that's where we are. Um, but tonight, we won't do too much reflection on this year's season, maybe some individual players or some position areas. Um, but we wanted to do a recap of the national championship game, uh, TCU versus Georgia. And there's not a whole lot of excitement to break down unless you, um, you know, just like watching points on the scoreboard look more like a basketball score for one of the teams. Um, but simultaneously, I could not help... And, and Twitter was all over this, where you had all sorts of feedback from people um, and a lot of conversations bringing up 2012. So I kind of want to do a little dissection of both games. It's been 10 years since Notre Dame got their ass kicked uh, on national television by Alabama. Not that we're trying to punish ourselves again, um, but I think it's it's worth talking about. Um, so we'll open it up to five foot nothing. Hopefully his his music or excuse me, his microphone came back. I think you probably got me now. Much better. All right. Okay, so, uh, well, I will say with the national championship game, I don't know if anyone knows this. I heard it, so I'm going to share it. Uh, the 58-point differential was the largest in the history of college football in any postseason game ever. Now, I say that because I don't know if they're counting the national championship as a bowl game, but dating back to the 20s, whenever bowl games started, that is the largest margin of victory in the history of postseason college football, and it was the national championship game. Mm-hmm. So At the end of the game, they had thrown up a stat, and it was at the top of the list, but they had the biggest point uh, spread differential for the Natty. And, of course, the 2012 game was on there against Alabama. But, uh, yeah, it uh, it was kind of surprising just how big and the deficit difference was. I mean, to put things in perspective, I went as far back as um, at least to the Kelly years. And, and I did this analysis a few years ago. But the worst margin that Kelly ever lost to any team is his time as a Notre Dame coach was to USC in 2014. We lost by 35 um, so that kind of puts in perspective. We lost, of course, by 28 to Alabama. But that, yeah, the, we had too many. See, the thing was, we never got a 58 point blowout, which that's good. But 
we also – I wouldn't say it might as well have been 58, but there are several games that we were so uncompetitive. But it never looked like that. And I'm not saying – you know, that's not, oh, good thing we didn't look like TCU. Uh, but what I, what I was going to lead into is, you know, for all the people that are against the 12-team playoff, because you keep seeing these blowouts in the semis. Who's against that? <clears throat> well, enough people are. No, it's people saying they want eight instead of twelve. Well, just yeah. it, the the what what their their comments typically are. Well, there's going to be so many blowouts. There's going to be so many blowouts that that may happen, of course. But how's that regu- different from the regular season, right? Exactly. But more importantly, let's just say. Because as much as we don't like Michigan, I think we can all acknowledge Michigan was probably the better team than TCU. TCU just happened to beat them. Oh, I will never acknowledge that. Sorry. No. TCU TCU had their number. They were the better team. I'm never going to say Michigan's the better team. No. Okay. I have a bias. I hate Michigan, so I'm going (laughs) to cheer for TCU. So this is the one time I'm going to vote with my heart, not with the stats. Fair. But here's what I'll say. You get those moments where the lesser team upsets the better team, right? And guess what? If it was the 12-team playoff, that lesser team would have to do that again and probably get weeded out before you get to the national championship game. No, so, absolutely. And that's why yeah, that we love fair. March Madness because you get those Cinderella's and they get on a hot streak and it's not one or two games. Like They get to the Sweet 16. They get to the Elite Eight. That's like, whoa, you know. So you really have to be a good team if you're going to go on a run. And that's that's why I actually love the 12-team the twelve team playoff. Unless exactly. you're Gonzaga in 2021 where you get smoked in the national championship game. So. Because that <laughs> national championship puts the, uh, the whole, well, what about the Cinderella story in college football? Well, that was the closest you're going to get to seeing what, it would, ha- what would happen. Correct. So... Yeah. Let's embrace this 12-team playoff to its fullest extent because the TCUs of the future, are they might win a game, yes, but they're they're going to get weeded out and we're going to get a much better championship game every year going forward, in my opinion. Once I think the, that's very fair. That, that was my takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we get to some people here, get some contributions from uh, some of the people here? Uh, I've got a little bit of a stat piece here that I want to run through, but I uh, kind of want to get some other people's input here before I jump. Yeah, to I'd love to see what everyone's impression was before we get to the stats. Yeah. All right. You well, guys know, pick uh, the first person. Uh, well, Jimmy texted me. He's having dinner He or watching a movie. He's just listening. Uh, Casey, <laughs> uh, Jimmy has been caught. He's putting the kids to bed. Um, <laughs> said he's just interested in listening. So, Reg Sam, we, uh, we can go to Matthew Reg or Darge doing it. I, wherever you guys want to go. I just invited Reg Sam to speak. Reg Sam, forty-two. Jump on, man. You have. I definitely want to hear people's impression of the Natty and what it means for the twelve-team playoff coming up and mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's been just over a week, so which Red, feels like it's longer than that. So, Red, Red just, thumbs down. So I'm guessing he doesn't want to speak. Yeah, but you know, when, when you look at Notre Dame, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, um, what that national championship showed is for all the quote unquote haters, 
Uh, Notre Dame was not as bad as people wanted to to dump on. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's just we were not that far off. Having said that, you can, and I don't want to go too ahead of your script there, Joe, but uh, the difference in Notre Dame in 2012 and then in 2018 and again in 2020 was a very specific position on the field. Yes. That uh, Now, now 2012, not so much, because I think um, with, that was there was nothing – over the top that would have changed the outcome in my opinion i don't think golson and reese that combination was that awful and i'm not i'm not saying book is that awful but i i would take the golson reese combination over ian book i really would so mm, interesting i agree with that i mean it depends on it depends on on like i'm going to go back to to the the data right because you know between 18 and 19 which is really the the ian book years right you could, I guess, yeah. do twenty twenty in there too, but twenty nineteen is is by far Notre Dame's best offensive year. Um, and I've argued with people before who were like, "Oh no, it's twenty fifteen. It's actually not. It's twenty. It's twenty nineteen uh, as a whole. If you just look at offensive stats, now I still have to break down twenty twenty two. I haven't done that yet. But um, if I go back to just the book years, um, you know, like things like yards per point or total touchdowns scored. Uh, our scoring offense, you know, um, total offense, right? A lot of these stats are significantly better um, with respect to 2019 and Ian Book and that squad versus the 2012 season. Um, the one that really jumps off the page, I'll kind of kind of jump on this one. Um, red zone touchdowns. Um, if you recall, if and I've actually been going back and watching some old 2012 games, like while doing the dishes or while falling asleep in bed or whatever. Um, and Notre Dame was atrocious in 2012 in red zone touchdowns. We were ranked 112th in the country and scored a touchdown 48% of the time in the red zone. It's by far the worst. And the best was actually 2019. We were eighth in the country and scored 76% of the time. And I wonder how much of that has to go along with the evolution of the game from 2012 to 2019. I mean, we did pass better, right? You have Chase Claypool out there. Well, I I would say that uh, to Mike's point, the evolution of the game with the, the read option and whatnot, you know, it, if, the offense that Ian Book was running with that, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't 2019 his most rushing touchdowns in one season? Uh, I do have this. Let me find that. That sounds but, about right. But um, if, if Golson ran that style of offense versus his mobility and running was more of, of a scrambling style, there were not many designed runs in the way today's offenses are put together. Right, the the RPO evolution from the West Coast offense within that ten year span, absolutely is is the deciding factor. I mean, I mean, well, why why were we so excited about Tyler Buckner in the red zone? It's because of those. He's mo- fast as shit. He's well, a run threat. Exactly. That's why. And not, Golson had mobility, but I don't think he was. You're sitting there going, "He's a run threat." It's like, well, this is a terrible example, but. Like Michael Vick, 
he was a run threat, but not because they were designing runs for him. He was just that elusive. Yeah, he could just get out there. All right, here we go. I got the numbers here. So there's a little bit of uh, co-host trivia here. Uh, who had more rushing touchdowns? Ian Book of, uh, you know, pick a year. Tw- say Ian Book 2019 or Everett Golson 2012. Who had more rushing touchdowns? I would think Book. Yeah. No. Book had really? four rushing touchdowns. Okay. Golson had six. Now, who had more, Golson 2012 or Book 2020? Oh, Book. Book. Book had nine. Okay, then I got my years backwards. Okay. That's okay. Now, who who's of the, the Kelly era from quarterbacks, who has the most? Isn't it Kaiser? Yes. Kaiser with 10. Yeah. It, it actually, you know, I take that back. It might be Wimbush. Uh, I don't have a Wimbush on here of 2017. I'd have to look that up here. Um, but yeah, on my my sheet here, I don't have I don't have uh, uh, on this particular tab. I started I, I started making it. I what's my tagline other than Scotch and spreadsheets? It's hashtag RTDB. So I started creating a run the damn football, um, uh, you know, stat sheet here. Um, to figure out, okay, who had more? Okay, Wimbush. Total touchdowns, 2017, 14. So it is the most. He had more touchdowns rushing in 2017 than Dexter Williams had in 2018. Wow. And also the carries per touchdown, like like how many carries it takes for you before you get a touchdown. Wimbush, it was 10 flat. Dexter Williams, 13.2. Jonas Gray in 2011 was nine and a half. <laughs> every, every nine and a half times he touches the ball, he's scoring a touchdown. And he finished with 12 in 2011. So go figure there. So Everyone gives uh, Josh Adams a, a ton of credit. And, and Josh Adams is aw- awesome. But in hashtag, uh, what was it? 33 trucking. Anyone get, buy a hat? Josh Adams... 22.9 carries per touchdown. Crazy. Well, I, I, I don't, again, I don't want to jump ahead, but there, there's a, uh, a gentleman who rushed for 11 touchdowns and 363 yards last year. And, uh, he'll now be quarterbacking the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't ever expand this. And I'm, it's impressive. I didn't realize I knew he had some mobility, but uh, Mr. Hartman can cross the goal line with the football in his hands too, pretty much. Yeah, he's uh, he doesn't suck. I will say that. Now, my stat sheet says he only had one rushing touchdown. What is this? No, that was last year, the year before, 2021. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Yeah, just for his career. Um, I was looking back. Okay, okay. I just looked at this past year. <laughs> Okay. Right. Less attempts and less yards this year. Um, which, again, that might, like we're talking about, the difference in initially how we thought of Golson and Book, uh, the difference in uh, offensive styles. But I think they were running the slow mesh last year or the year before last year. Uh, I hope we don't run the mesh. My, I'm not a fan well, of that style of offense. Well, it's so well, annoying. I, I don't think we will. But I something hope not. I, was with the slow mesh, which 
all against Stanford, and we've watched a few of the Wake Forest games, and we probably all watched the Gasparilla Bowl because of Sam Hartman. It it takes so long. The emphasis on the slug. By the time he pulls the ball, if he's pulling it, there's defenders in space. Sam Hartman, now he's trying to make reads while he's doing that slow mesh crap, but ultimately when he pulls it, he's got to make a quick decision and the right decision. So if he's able to do that in that system with a much lesser offensive line and lesser running, there's no reason he can't succeed doing what Tommy Reese wants to do. And we're going to find out how good he is this year too. But on running the offense that we have seen, there's no reason he can't excel if he excelled within that ridiculous offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wake had 17 touchdowns uh, rushing, and Notre Dame had 25. So yeah, it, the, and and I I heard on a national podcast they were saying that they literally said Wake Forest by far has superior wide receivers to Notre Dame, and I feel like we're glossing because their emphasis was, look, Michael Mayer was their uh, best receiver, and he's a tight end, so the receivers must be terrible. I'm like, I feel like you're missing a factor in why those numbers were the way they were. (laughs) The quarterback had a lot to do with that. I feel like we're glossing over that. I don't think our receivers would have that Yeah. Well, we invited uh, Johnny W. Boxing on, and I see Nick there is on mute. Johnny, are you there with us, sir? Well, being technically challenged, I hope you can hear me. How are you, bud? We're doing well. Welcome to the Fighting Five-Foot Irish Nothing Faithful Show. I love it. I love it. How are you guys? <laughs> We're good. We're discussing uh, the Sam Hartman news. And then we can even talk about the national championship game and how it makes Notre Dame's beat down by Alabama not as terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed that um, speech before the game I sent you. Was that not amazing or what? That was exciting. I, I was. I, what I'm curious about this, and and I don't follow Georgia other than you know catching an occasional game. I'm curious whether or not that is how Kirby Smart t- talks to his players normally. Or uh-huh. if that was like, like, like if if I was the coach, I probably wouldn't. Well, okay, I don't, I can't say that, but it probably wouldn't be my style to to use said language. But sometimes there's a time and a place to use said language when it's warranted, and if you really need to get the attention of your guys, motivate them, and get in their face or whatever, and go a little Bobby Knight, but not quite as forceful. Um, yeah, you know, I I would be curious on where he is on that scale. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, like I wasn't like profoundly like excited about the language, but as I mentioned to you when we were texting back and forth, it's like I wanted to run through a wall. I mean, it was it was pretty motivating. The language part, meh. I guess, like you said, a time and place. But I just want to jump in real quick. I didn't know how to work this mic stuff. You know me, I can barely do Excel, so Uh-oh. I just wanted to say hello. <laughs> no problem. Well, we're happy you joined us. Do you um what do you think of the Sam Hartman news? Um I'm just a big 
TB12 fan. I really like Buckner, and I think that um, he has a lot of upside. And I feel bad. That's the utopiatic side of me. What that being said is, is Hartman is no slouch and gives us a great opportunity. But I guess the optimist in me is just rooting for Buckner, and I think he has so much to give. But um, Hartman seems to be really, really good plug-and-play type of player, if that makes sense. I think so too. And, and my, my thought is, I mean, and I love Buckner, obviously, you know, we were, I wasn't quite fanning palm leaves at him, but definitely was playing epic music prior to the Ohio state game. And I, just because I think he brings a lot of electricity and I, I asked five foot nothing pod if he, he thought he was Maverick and I think he's a little on the fence on that one, but we'll see. Um, what I will say is you know, I'd rather have a situation where you have more talent and more options in the quarterback room rather than just like, you know, you're going down the play sheet and you're looking at your bench, you know, like it's some cartoon and you go to that that's scrawny, skinny, you know, cartoon character at the end of the bench next to the water cooler. If you guys get my drift, you know, that is not Notre Dame right now. You have two very viable quarterbacks and that is the best problem to have. Yeah, I think you make a valid point. And, um, I, you know, bottom line is, is whichever guy is going to give us the best opportunity to win obviously makes sense. Um, but not to beat a dead horse, just a big TB12 fan and just think the world of that kid and um, what he's gone through and how he played in the bowl game. And, you know, it's not set in stone that Hartman beats him out. I mean, that's a whole other bag of questions. So we'll have to see what happens in the spring and, and summer. I agree. I agree. It's not set in stone yet. You know, I mean, I think some people if you just look at numbers and data and stuff, um, you know, Sam Hartman does jump off the page. But again, you have a limited sample size with Buckner. Um, So I think there's a known quantity of what you will get um, with Hartman. Um, You know, but we also everyone talks about the potential that is Buckner. And, you know, but at some point you have to put the the rose colored glasses of potential down to figure out okay you know what do we have and what are we what actually is going to help us win and, and put points on the scoreboard absolutely well i'm going to put um i think i figured out how to turn the mic off so i can listen um anyone on the show that i'm not following please let me know i always follow back so uh again brother thanks for having me on and i'll keep listening absolutely at johnny w boxing if anyone's got some boxing you want to discuss uh this is the man to talk to on the twitter loyal friend of the show thank you sir for uh your contributions today tonight i guess it's fairly daylight out there on the west coast nick i see you there you there nick shipkowski what's happening gentlemen Hello, welcome to the Fighting What's up, Five Foot Irish Nothing Faithful Show. Yeah, I, I love the blend of the words. It's that got me going. And anytime I see five foot, I had to jump in and give him hell about something. But he oh, celebrated his giants, so it's a good weekend for him. All right, let's new new <laughs> yeah. show uh, status. All right, give uh, Five Foot Nothing Pod hell. Well, r- real quick before you give me hell, I will be flying into Newark Sunday, um, ideally decked out in Giants gear. And uh, then I'll I'll be going to my uh, new company's training, which I've learned there's a couple Eagles fans in the mix. So that should be fun. That's always good. And it's um, I know that Newark gets its bad rap, but at least it's not Philadelphia. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) I assume Nick is from the Garden State as well. 
No, I'm actually from Chicago. I just I, I'm not a huge uh, Philadelphia person either. So oh, okay. I can I can I can fall in line with five foot on that one for yeah. sure. No, I was enjoying the the, the Hartman conversation. I just I think that this I mean it's is, clearly a good move for Notre Dame and a, and a, a good fit. You know, someone who's you know, and Wake Forest isn't you know a shitty school. You know, it's it's not you know Yale, but it's you know it's it's not bad. You know. That's what I want to hear from you, Nick. You're you're the national guy, so we're, we're I I don't think I've actually at length heard or read your thoughts on the Hartman thing. So go. I mean, I think it. You look at the way this offense sets up right now, and you guys touched on it a little bit receiver wise. I I think there's room to grow here, and I think that expectations for how many young guys in the receiver room there are going to be next year maybe needs to chill a little bit. But you put Hartman into this offense and tell me that this isn't the best Notre Dame offense going into a year since, what, the Brady Quinn years? The end of the Brady Quinn years with Charlie Weiss? Yeah, maybe 2006. You have a proven commodity at quarterback. You have what is, you might not have the best running back in the nation, but you have as talented and as deep a backfield as any team in the country right now. Yes. And you have what should be one of the top three, top four offensive lines at worst going into next year. I have questions on the defensive side of the ball. I got some worries. It starts up front. Um, secondary depth I have questions with. The development at linebacker, the position's been recruited well. But there's, I guess, concerns of how quickly that can kind of come up to speed. But offensively, like, you're looking at this right now, it's going to be a disappointment if this team's not averaging 35, 36 points a game. Nick, where, where are you at on the uh, comments that our wide receiver room is not very good and Sam Hartman is going to have nobody to throw the football to? Well, I don't think I don't think it was very good last year. I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's unfair to say. Do you, well, do you but is that, that just the receivers who are dropping passes? Like, like if I go and, and and unless someone has this, by all means, please educate me. But it's very difficult to look at completion percentage or receiving yards or whatever. And just like there's no stat for, well, this guy dropped a pass or this guy ran a shitty route or 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 is it, you know, the quarterback didn't give him the ball or threw it. You know what well, I mean? Like. It's hard for me to put all the blame like on the receivers because you were dealing with a guy for ten and a half games last year that he couldn't push the ball down the field, and that's nothing against Drew Pine. It just physically he wasn't able to do that. Like that. Well, I don't even know if it's a physicality thing. I think it's more of a, a, a comfort level slash his ability to see guys that are open, well, right? I, certainly, but I mean, you're, if you're basing it off of like height, I mean, Hartman's only what a half inch, three quarters of an inch taller, so it's not like. It's not like you're getting the six five giant walking. Oh, that in all three of a quarters sudden. matters. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> that's what I'm told. <laughs> what? Um, what? What? I, what? Uh... I, when you look at it though, like I think that the receiver room, it's on the verge of becoming something pretty special. I don't know if it's there yet because even the guys that you have, whether it's optimism or excitement for. You still got questions with like Lorenzo Styles. Where did the hand issues come from this year? The drops were very concerning, and they didn't go away as the year went on. Uh, Deion Colsey, you saw him develop a little bit as the year went on and get called upon more. But I don't think anybody really thought going into this that at the end of the year that the receiver that you're going to 
kind of have as the most known commodity is being Jaden Thomas. Like that, that's not Correct. a knock on Jaden Thomas, but it's it's kind of a knock. On, yeah, it's kind of more a of a surprise, the right? Rumor just saying where everything else is. Yeah, I mean, I was personally, you know, I thought that we'd see more out of Lorenzo Styles. You know, I mean, true or false, Lorenzo Styles had three receiving touchdowns. That, I mean, that's did he have that many even? Like it was false. He had whatever. one. Okay, oh, I was gonna say. You know, Mayer like had had, had nine. After that, from our receivers, Jaden Thomas and Lindsey both had three. Yeah. yeah. You know. And, and Lindsey was a guy that you didn't have a quarterback that in some cases could get him the ball and push the ball down the field like that. Yeah. I I look at this and I look at the Hartman thing and it's I love the competition that it brings to the room that you don't just go into it. We've talked about the Buckner injury. I mean, we being Notre Dame fans all across the country have talked about the Buckner injury and just the unavailability with him for uh, multiple years now. And it's just, it's, it's been bad luck, but the biggest predictor of injuries is previous injuries. And so you do have that going into your mind, kind of going in with him. I'm rooting for the kid too. I hope that he turns out to be everything he was hyped to be when he was that fringe five-star recruit that, that signed with Notre Dame. But I think Notre Dame's crazy if they don't go into this year with, especially if there's a player with the pedigree of Hartman. I mean, you haven't had this. You haven't had a guy that can push the ball downfield at quarterback for Notre Dame with any consistency since Deshaun Kaiser. And even Kaiser was pretty, even when he left, I think that he was, he was pretty green. Yeah, he still was showing regression in 2016. Grant, there's a lot of problems with 2016, but um yeah, like he could have used another year to develop. Like, and, and then you put him on that 2017. That's another question for another day. How good that team? Well, and and maybe this is this is a whole but, other discussion of you know either from BK not developing guys. You know, we've criticized that. To is it a Reese as quarterback coach thing? You know, it's like clearly didn't do it with Wimbush. You know, Book in some areas showed regression in certain areas, not so much. Who knows? Um, you know, we're asking. Reese to coach up pine, you know, and that, that is kind of what it is. Um, you know, like, is there a whole lot of development that coach Reese can do with Sam Hartman? Right. Well, I think that the interesting thing is, I don't know about development, but you look at the way Wake Forest runs their offense. And so much of it is that short mesh, everything kind of screen each other open or pick each other open. Um, which coming from a bunch of Notre Dame fans is funny when you consider they play in the ACC and they get to do that with ACC officials. But um, I, I, I'm curious to see how Hartman kind of adjusts to this offense because he definitely has the, the ability to push the ball down the field. I know you guys talked about it a little bit earlier on. He can move around a little bit better, I think, than he gets credit for as well, which I, I just look at this in assuming health, which – you do that with Notre Dame quarterbacks in recent years, and it's not always going to um, get you to, to where you're looking to go. But I, I look at this, and it's just it's going to make everything around him so much better. You're going to make the receivers better by having a guy that can be a threat to push the ball downfield. That's going to open up the running game even that much more, and you're talking about a running game that's going to be a, very deep and just about as talented as any in the country. You're working with an offensive line that's going to be one of the best in the country. You're working with a group of tight ends that, okay, you lose Mayer, 
and Mayer is a freak of freaks at that position, but you're still talented at that position. I mean, I just think that this is one of those that I wish I felt better about the defense going into next year because I really, truly do think this is going to be one of the very best Notre Dame offenses we've seen in a good 15 years since since the early days of Charlie Weiss. Well, and if, is, you, if you go back to any of these big games, the you know, anything from, you know, the, you know, 2012, we, we were talking about 2012, and we'll circle around back to the comparison of Notre Dame 2012 versus Alabama versus Georgia and TCU, because um, there's a comparison piece. I want to do that that helps tuck me into bed and not be afraid of the boogeyman in the closet when I think of that oh. game. Um, it's more like cowering in the corner like a, you know, like a scared kid. But anyway, um, you know, go, going back and looking at, you know, our offense, you know, it let us down against Clemson in 2018, you know, let us down in 2012. Um, you could even argue that it was slow to start versus USC this year. Now, fortunately, that was actually Pine's best game, the USC game, but it, it took a couple of series for them to start to get the rhythm. And then USC could not stop our offense. Um but what I will say here, and one thing that I think gives us, you know, th- this is something that cannot be ignored. Where, and I, I'll, I'll revisit this stat net next week as far as passing touchdowns being extremely important. And for 2022, the last 10 years, passing touchdowns was the second most important stat behind total touchdowns. Sam Hartman was fifth in the country in passing touchdowns. That is higher than Bryce Young at Alabama, higher than Michael Penix at Washington, who's who's a huge uh, return for them, uh, Bo Nix at Oregon, and more than the two-time national champion now Stenson Bennett. Yeah. So I mean, so that's... so that that's a key key piece there, and, and then I'll I'll give it back to you. But that cannot be ignored. That is a resume of someone who is getting who is putting the ball out there and threw for 3700 yards. Well, huge. and I think the I think that's obviously huge and I think the big thing to factor into this is that as good as Hartman was at Wake Forest, some of that was scheme in order for him to be called upon to throw as much as that. He's not going to have had a running game like he had like he's going to have this year. He didn't have an offensive line to play behind like he's going to have this year. He didn't have now we just, I just at least went on about how it's a lot of potential, but not a lot of proven commodities at receiver, but he didn't have receivers that were rated the same way as Notre Dame's receivers that he's going to have at this coming in. Like you take those numbers and, and, and you, you take them back a little bit because Notre Dame's going to be, able to rely on the run a heck of a lot better than Wake Forest was. Like you watch that Wake Forest offense and it's it's almost like watching a knuckleball pitcher in a way when when they did run the ball because it's if you remember how Le'Veon Bell used to run for the Steelers and it'd be like this delay to hit holes and it was almost foreign to kind of see. It's like every running back was that way. And it was like watching an off speed knuckleball pitch come in from a just something completely different. And it's just it, it spoke to how they didn't prioritize a run game. I, he is going to have everything around him that you can really see. Like it, it makes all the sense well, in the world. If you're there Sam is Hartman something up. that he has that will be working against him. 
he will no longer be wearing Nike. He'll be wearing Under Armour. (laughs) (laughs) It's only a matter of time. I'm just saying, man, like, look, it seems like everyone who wins the title is wearing Nike shit, right? And for God's sakes, can we just get the ass sweatpants like Under Armour do better? Seriously, do better. They look terrible. Go back to Champion or Adidas. I like those pants. But they, the they showed one. sweat. Like, why can they not show sweat? I know this is like childish, but like, seriously, like no one, no one else shows that. Like, is it the, is it the gold color? Like, do we need to go to a different shade of gold? Like, we need to go, go to like back. the whole Sarah gold. Yeah. Yeah. Something shiny gold. that doesn't look like, you know, mustard that you put on your Philly cheesesteak. Do you put mustard on a cheesesteak? Who knows? I don't know. Taco dog, I bet. It's like, it's like. Like really bad cheese was. I don't know. Well, the one thing I want to say, Nick, you, your concerns about the defense, I get it, Under, understood. However, my thought is much like when people were trying to say the offensive line is going to struggle. It's kind of like until I see it, I won't believe it. And in recent years, dating all the way back to what Diaco, our defenses have been pretty solid. Right, they have been. Like, so I, I feel like until they they they're not, I'm gonna assume they're gonna come out and get get shit done. Now I do find the red zone efficiency very awkward last year because every other statistical awkward category, is that a kind way of putting bad? It, it was red zone yes. defense or red zone <laughs> offense? No, no defense. Do, defense. Do, no, we we were ranked 131st out of 131 in red zone efficiency defensively. However, yeah, you got inside the 20, you were you were putting up seven. But every other stat was like top 20. It was the weirdest thing. Well, how, how did national first... champions rank in said stat? How? No, I, I'm I'm. That's a genuine question. I genuinely don't. Yeah, know. I don't. I, would I don't know assume... either. We're gonna I mean, write Jordan that down. That'll be that'll be a homework assignment for me for next week. Yeah, Red. Georgia had one of the best defensive statistically defenses in the country this past year, so I'd assume they ranked really well in that without looking. Red zone defense. But, like that was the thing with Notre Dame didn't force turnovers the first half of the year. How long did we go? A month into the season, five games into the season before they finally forced a turnover? Yeah. Like it was yeah. just that was not and I know that those are hard to predict. Like, no matter how great your pass rush is, no matter how great some things are, turnovers are hard to predict, but that would I mean, not happen. Ra- rather than just focus on the one side of the thing, which, don't get me wrong, Nick's 100% right here about your defense does need to force some turnovers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we were... I-, I like looking at turnover margin as a whole, um, you know, because then it's like your your offense versus your defense, you know. And it, it's kind of like competing versus yourself. Um rather than just hoping for fortuitous stupidity by your opponent. Um, you know, you know, this is not Michigan of 2012 with Denard Robinson, uh, you know, throwing four picks, right? You know. <laughs> well, Nick, great, great, great contribution tonight. Uh, I really appreciate you jumping on the uh, the co-show here. Uh, we'll have to have you back at any time. Anyone's welcome back. Nick, Nick uh, go ahead. And, uh, you write for what? Fighting Irish Wire and uh, yeah, go ahead. Go through- plug, please. Oh go. yeah, do it. FightingIrishWire.com. You can find all the work there. I appreciate that uh, very much. Fighting Irish Wire. 
just did some stuff on uh, a couple of things recruiting wise. Justin Scott, the big five star defensive lineman from my neck of the woods, that uh, Tom Loy had crystal balled to Notre Dame yesterday, goes ahead and gets the offer from Georgia today. And if you're a defensive lineman, specifically a defensive tackle, that's like the that's the offer. If you're Notre Dame, you got to be scared to death about. Wrote a little bit about that today. So you can check that out. I appreciate the plug, guys. Hey, we uh, if you, if you're supporting Notre Dame and you're doing other stuff, by all means, you're welcome here anytime. Awesome. Well, I will go back to cleaning up the kitchen and uh, be checking you guys out. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Is there? All right, moving along. Five foot nothing pod. Who who do you want next? Well, I know Adam usually has some things to say, but Ad, Adam uh, always has something. Registan's just listening. He's thumbs down, or he hates us, and he's just here to heckle us. Adam Dowling, uh, invite to speak. Adam underscore Dowling one. Adam, maybe he's just listening. That's fine too. Okay. All right, Red Snapper, are uh, you back on? I am back on. There you that go. was really weird. That sucks. You probably had really awesome, valuable contributions. And... I totally wanted to talk. I know. I was like, man, Red I was Snapper's there talking, really quiet. And I'm like, wait a sec. My stuff's not even moving. Like, oh, crap. They're not even hearing me. I know. That's okay. Well, you know, and, and full disclosure here, you know, I actually didn't hit record right when we started. So I'll have to go back and do some fancy editing uh, in the post-production here. So... <laughs> anyway red snapper what, what's your take on any of that uh just to recap and then we'll move on well as far as the red zone defense just right at the end i wanted to chime in a lot of that is going to be the evolution of the defense the defensive uh coordinator you know the the coaching staff as a whole and the maturation of a very young secondary that we saw through the season this year and i think the red zone is obviously going to be one of the more difficult, you know, because the field the field shortens. And we saw first half of the season how many blitzes just get burned. So our disguising our coverages and everything uh. else that 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 just speaks inexperience and putting together a brand new system with a new coach. Like absolutely, I think it's just an attrition factor and you're going to have the same coaching staff. You're going to have guys coming back, you know, with a season under their belt, you know, and Morrison Island. Absolutely love it. I Mm -hmm. want to see more of that from other people. And I, I see us having a great secondary. You look at the recruits coming in, you look at um, the linebacker crew, especially transfer from Ohio state. Like there's going to be a lot that helps the defense. Like we were talking about the offense with Hartman. I think the defense is going to have a lot. We were excited about um, crap. I can't think of his name right now coming from Northwestern, but we're going to have so much more experience. Oh, Brandon Joseph. In it. Yes. Brandon Joseph. Thank you. Um, having just that, that attrition factor on the defensive side, as well as the offensive side with the experience of the coaching staff now with a full season under their belt. Yeah. I, I'm really and and you mentioned this, you know, Javante Jean Baptiste from from Ohio State. Um, I mean, how often does that happen? Someone leaves Columbus in the shoe and comes to Notre Dame, you know, like, man, that's 
That's crazy. It's crazy. And talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna give all the credit to um I am horrible with names today. I am really sorry. Foskey. Yeah. I I think he saw Foskey put up the stats and that absolutely with the defense that Notre Dame is running, that maximized him and the fact that he may, if he wants to, have the opportunity to play on special teams and be that X factor like Foskey was on, right. on Make a name blocks. for yourself, yeah. I mean, that, if anything, is going to raise your draft stock. And I know you hate talking NFL and draft and everything else, but that's where college players are looking. I don't hate it. I've never said I hated the NFL. (laughs) That that is false. You're all about Notre Dame. I know, I know. Well, I I just don't do fantasy. Like, I I spend way, way too much time doing, you know, the uh, Dos Leprechauns, you know, bull mania pick them. I got fourth place, by the way. And, and, you know, you know, woot, woot, you know, I got some money from that, you know, so this, the, when I talk about like spreadsheets and shit, like, yeah, it actually matters. And actually, if I had implemented the system, I ultimately settled on at the beginning, I would have won at least two more games. So I'm just saying, you know, and, and the math predicted that USC would lose to Tulsa. And so hence the confidence points and why I got that it wasn't just because I hated SC. No, I mean, I hate SC, but the <laughs> math, the math said go with Tulsa. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do what the math says. So here it is. Yeah. Fourth and, place. and overall, and this is something I wanted to actually ask Nick was, his impression of Hartman and compare and contrast it to Jack Cohn. Ooh. Jack Cohn. Well, I, I far, I, I, no, no knock on Jack Cohn, but far superior talent in Hartman. Um, definitely, definitely more productivity from an output standpoint. This, this was definitely meant to be a, here's a ball on the tee, and I'm handing you the bat. So, Nick, go ahead. <laughs> Would you yeah, rather? Yeah, that's a, like, no disrespect to Jack Cohn. Could put the ball down the field. Wasn't nearly, I don't think, as accurate as, as Hartman is there. Um, I know a lot of it in playing behind the offensive line that he did. Hartman's not going to have that same kind of problem that Cohn did. That line wasn't as developed in 2021 with Cohn as it's going to be this this coming year in 2023. Hartman's going to have that in his favor as well. But also on top of it, Hartman's not a statue. Like Cohn was, Cohn was a statue back there. Yes, so that only is. adds things as well. Like I'm not trying to make this a rip on Jack Cohn fest, but I it's it's pretty comparable to a night and day difference between the two quarterbacks. I came to appreciate Jack Cohn, you know, last season, just just from a sense of like, and, and Buckner was, you know, significantly healthier overall as a season, you know, versus, you know, where he was this year, obviously with the injury and the, uh, the Marshall game. But, you know, I, I did a show and this is going back. If anyone's really bored in the off season, you know, I, I, what was the title? It's something about like, like, like there, there, there was an argument that I put forward that there was a place for Cone and Buckner on the offense simultaneously, and it was a little bit of a comparison to the the Reese and Golson bit from 2012, but not exactly, um, because I mean we were far better passing team um, in you know last year than we were in 2012, right? 
Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Cone and his ability to just be very calm and collect in the pocket. Although Nick uses the best modifier I've ever heard, and I've used this as well. Cone was a statue back there. But he also had ice in his veins, and he wasn't, you know, freaking out in the backfield, you know, like uh, like Dane Christ always was. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Uh, Cone brought a um, a, a level of uh, confidence. He was comfortable. He didn't panic. But again, it, it still falls under the same umbrella of limited quarterback. Regardless of what the limitations were, there were some limitations. Oh, yeah. And Sam Hartman is bringing uh, the la- the lack of that. I I can't think – outside of his height, I don't know what really you can point to. Go Well, he's limited there because I mentioned he had 380 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns in 2021. We obviously know what his passing statistics are. And, again, I feel like he accomplished this in a ridiculous offense. So give him our offensive line, our running game, our higher rated wide receivers. And I just feel like the sky's the limit, you know, to Nick's point, the defense is a concern, but I don't think it's such a concern that it's going to look like the damn Charlie Weiss teams were like, did you know that we had to recruit the defensive side too? Like, <laughs> I'll never get we, we could score 40, but great, we're giving up 41. What the hell does it matter? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at our look at our recruits here, you know, you know, our top two enrollees, you know, from Drake Bowen and Christian Gray, you know, they're both, uh, you know, they're both on the defensive side of the ball. And then the next two guys are receiver. And this is per 24-7 sports. And then you got Minchie coming in, right? Then, then if we scroll down to, you know, our... Uh, signed letters of intent, right? You know, we got some offensive guys, you know, Jeremiah loves down there, you know, but then, you know, Jean Baptiste from Ohio state, man. I mean, you know, you know, and then, then Harper, you know, from Oklahoma state, you know? So, I mean, we're, we're getting the transfers in where we need them uh, and filling, filling some gaps, you know, you know, you got one guy who wants to go be a sun devil, you know, peace be with him. You know, maybe he's just sick of the cold, and he's ready for some warmer weather or something. So, well, we we got Justin Cates here on mute down in Arizona. Maybe he has a, a comment about, uh, you know, what's going on down in Sun Devil Land there in the Tempe area. Justin Cates, Happy uh, New Year! Happy New Year, man! How's Etsy going? I see you got five stars. On Etsy's Etsy, crap. Everybody. We're probably gonna shut the store down, man. And I, that's not like you know your fault, you know. Yeah. I'll, Maybe I'll if I had given you more responsibility, we would have done better. But welcome to the yeah. Fighting Five Foot Irish Nothing Faithful show. Uh, we got Five Foot Nothing Pod as my co host, and of course, Red Snapper here. So, dual show. Fellas, so what, so what do you want to know about ASU? <laughs> well, our quarterback just transferred there, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I don't think I don't think he's going to win the job. So Did that surprised you though? No, no. I, to be honest, I don't think he, I mean, you had a few sort of like fringe fans being like, he was a starting quarterback at Notre Dame and he's coming here. But most intelligent fans are like, this dude's at like super, 
you know, athletically not as gifted, doesn't have all the tools, has a weak arm and is 5'11". But we well, think he's pretty smart, you know? You're being generous with the 5'11". But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I yeah, do not like, think he's 5'11". Well, it, it, okay, I saw a picture of him next to Kenny Minchie. One of two things is true. Drew Pine is 5'9", or Kenny Minchie's actually 6'6". One of those two things Mitch, is true. Mitchie's got the, <laughs> got the big afro hair, right? You know, like... <laughs> Drew Pine's eyes were at Kenny Minchie's like chin, like <laughs> one of those. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it has nothing to do with his hair, but but no, I was surprised Pine went to Arizona State only because I like the guy. I, I he's a, he's he's your quintessential, you know, fighter, tough guy. Like I'm gonna battle. Uh, obviously, if you transfer, maybe not the best battler, but he, he was like. A good guy. He does and a wanna, sick swag, man. That swagger like walk that he does, you know. I, I want to see him succeed. That gift will and, live in infamy. That between that, the swagger swagger walk of Pine, and the Brian Van Gorder fist pump, you know, you know oh, he'll do well. That swag will play well on Mill Avenue, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, is, is that he maybe that be a it. winner in life and not even have to play? And just walk down yeah. Tempe. Doing I guess. That. So. I, I felt like he was perfectly suited to go to a uh, higher level G5 school and get a real opportunity to, to to play. And I just don't, at the Power 5 level, regardless of the school, I just didn't see that as a a clear path for of, to success for Jupine. So maybe Justin can uh, speak more to that if he gets the Whatever the the Sun Devil Gazette, and he knows all about it. I don't know. No, I I'm actually don't. I mean, I I like I keep up a little bit, but I don't follow ASU as close as I would Notre Dame. And I walked on at ASU, so okay, fair enough. Yeah, I I'd be interested to see what happens with Drew Pond. I wanted to see him succeed. It just was never going to happen at Notre Dame, not with our expectations, um, and. I mean, it, he had to have seen his own film, right? <laughs> like, of course, right? Like, that's part of football. I played. You watch your own film. There's no way you're sitting there going, "Well, damn, I that was really good. I I excelled at that play." Yeah, <laughs> I, I got I got some questions here. I wanted to, I want to do a, a. There's a little bit of stat piece here on Hartman. Here, I did a comparison of him uh, to Drew Pine. And, uh, and anyone, anyone can jump on, you know, if, if you're, you're in the wing here, just listening, uh, we got tons of people, Kevin Davis, Adam Dowling, Redisand, you're giving me a thumbs down. Cause I know you don't want to speak Hunter Heisley, Michael, I got a bunch of people. So if anyone wants to jump on by all means, and, and this, this is an open forum. There's a bunch of new people here, or maybe Nick's helping boost our, our, uh, our, uh, <laughs> our audience here. Um, but we like hearing everybody here uh, speak. So, you know, don't don't be shy. This is actually a friendly place. I know we sound intimidating at times, but not it's really not. Um, OK, true or false. Who had a higher complete? Let, let me do this. This is this is like the price is right. You, you match the quarterback to the number. Completion percentage. Sixty four point six percent. Versus 63.1%. Who is Drew Pine? And who is Sam Hartman? 
Okay. I I believe. Well, I'll let someone else go. I think I know the answer. Well, we're not we're not going to wait all day, you know. Cool. I, just I, just I, go I, five foot nothing pod. I believe Hartman has the lower completion percentage. That is correct. I'm almost. I, I think I'm like yeah. And that here's the thing. The reason I I I, I was like ninety nine point nine percent confident in that is I saw somebody put that and my rebuttal is but like I'll I'll, I'll go find it because my my rebuttal was that's great except that Drew Pine had five games. Five, damn near half the season, where he was less than fifty-three percent completion percentage. He yeah, floated his stats with three effing games where he was eighty-something percent. Correct. And, it, and his best game, we lost. Yeah. So, uh, but damn it, where's the Hartman stats? Uh, okay. Well, here, let me jump to the other thing because I I think this is the most compelling and like mind-boggling piece now. Obviously, you know, Caleb Williams, uh, uh, you know, we don't like him, but he did win the Heisman, um, you know, voted by whatever. But, you know, who else are you going to give it to? I guess. I don't know. Um, Stenson Bennett. So so what I'd like doing every year is comparing a the Notre Dame quarterback. The Heisman Trophy winner. And the national champion. OK. Of the following. Who threw the most passing touchdowns? Caleb Williams, Hartman, or Stenson Bennett? I think it's Hartman. 38. Yes, 38. Caleb Williams yeah. at 37. Yeah. Now, yards is not close, right? But here's the thing. Attempts per touchdown. Who was worse in this group of five? Group of four, excuse me. Stenson Bennett, Drew Pine, Sam Hartman, or Caleb Williams, who had the worst attempts per touchdown ratio. So it took you more attempts, passing attempts, to throw a touchdown pass. Who was the worst? So, i.e., the highest number. I want to say Williams. No. Stenson Bennett. 16.8. Okay, I knew it wasn't Pine because he didn't. Not Pine. He didn't, I know it wasn't. I just he didn't throw the ball enough. It's not even close, actually. Yeah. Here, I, I here's the think... crazy piece. So, so I'll, 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 I'll slip the slip. This is the answer here. The best was Hartman of the those four. Yeah, I, I didn't do the whole country right. I just looked at you know notable people. Yeah. Hartman had an attempt to touchdown ratio of eleven point two six. Who's number two on this list? So it's not Bennett. Is it Pine or Caleb Williams? I think it's Pine. It is Pine. Pine had a better attempt to touchdown ratio than your Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Well, he's not my Heisman Trophy winner. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck USC. Fucking Trojans. Okay. But yeah, 11.5 versus 12.1. Caleb Williams. Yeah, and and, and see, though, to me, those are relevant stats, and there was stats can, you can make stats say whatever you want them to say, you know. But going back to the the completion percentage, that one always got me. Like I'm looking at Hartman now. Uh, what do you have? Two games below sixty percent completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Sure, he he'd have a single game 
above 69. But to me, that says he's consistent. I'll I'll take 63, 64 versus how you got there. Well, I had three games of 84 or better, and I had five below 50. Yep. Oh, great. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want the 47% completion game. Like, well, and, and I have to I have to be honest here about about Caleb Williams. You know, he's not all trash and media bias and him, you know, you know, doing no. nail polish on his fingers or whatever. OK, no, he, there is something that does jump off the page, which is fantastic. OK, and it is his touchdown to interception ratio. OK, and if anyone recalls or has listened to my show for a while, um, USC was superior in uh, touchdown or excuse me in turnover margin as a team his touchdown to interception ratio was really good it was 9.3 of those four men that I just you know mentioned you know Williams Hartman Pine and Bennett Hartman was the worst 3.2 okay so so that that is the only thing that really like quote-unquote concerns me with him, it's worse than Jack Cohn, who is 3.6. Um, one of the best was actually uh, Jalen Hurts from Alabama in 2017. You know, <laughs> um, Joe Burrow, you know, he was he was pretty good. <laughs> you may have heard of him. Um, his was 10. Um, but yeah, Caleb Williams, 9.3. So I, I don't want to, you know, give him, you know, too much credit, you know, more than he deserves. But it's more of a function of. Yeah, that that is impressive, you know, for how many touchdowns versus how many interceptions you get. So, yeah, and I think our our offense can help with with that. I I just think the way it's designed, the, the protection is going to get. Uh, and I didn't watch all of Wake Forest. Who who was watching all of Wake Forest? I just <laughs> if I yeah. Uh, a lot of his interceptions were due to having to make those quick decisions because of the lack of other supporting cast members. And it, it led to a mistake. Um, but at the same time, you also throw in 38 touchdowns. Maybe you live with the 12 picks. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. All right. Should we talk about this national championship game or, or maybe we should open it up to, to some of these yeah. other guys first before we, well, we it, do that? Uh, we didn't, we didn't get Nick. I don't think we got Nick's take on that. If he's still listening and able to speak um, with the national championship, just on its own, but then in relation to Notre Dame, Alabama, 2012, which is what people seem to always point to as the biggest ass whooping in national championship history. Mm-hmm. crickets he's still, he's still doing <laughs> i think he's just listening here or maybe twitter's doing that weird thing so who knows all right well let's see here let's uh let's see if we can bring some people on adam dowling's here kevin davis and if you guys want to speak you know we'll just bring everybody on if anyone wants to speak by all means jump on if you have anything to say um we'll we'll pay attention and uh yeah just jump on Kevin Davis, Jimmy, Pablo, anyone, jump on. Adam Dowling, I, I know you're never shy to speak. Come on. What's what's the deal? Register Sam, we'll leave you be. All right. 
No one else is going to jump on. I'm just going to have to listen to me. Uh, all right. We had a ton of people while Nick was talking, but then I started talking about stats and numbers, and then all of a sudden people just started falling asleep and drifting away and went back to <laughs> watching TikTok or something. All right. One thing I wanted to talk about here is the national championship game. And this was not a pre-planned whatever, like me being funny. It was as the game, as as the TCU-Georgia game was just beginning. For some weird reason, I, my brain always goes back to the national championship game on January 7th, 2013. Uh, which was not a kind day, and, and I distinctly remember that day very well uh and which sucks but anyway um the point is uh i made a tweet out there so check me out at faithful underscore irish and i put a tweet out that said i suddenly feel like re-watching the notre dame alabama game while the tcu and georgia game was just beginning like kickoff it just happened and so my brain just was like what what what's this Little did I know that we were about to watch, you know, murder on the TV. So <laughs> it's terrible out there and out there in uh, SoFi Stadium. So um, which then led me to the conclusion of wanting to compare Notre Dame versus Alabama and TCU versus Georgia most recently. Um and yes, I fully admit that this is a little bit of consolation of just like, whew, okay, all right, we are not the worst team to ever get our ass kicked in a national champion. I mean, and, and that is what happened in that game. Don't get me wrong, right? But, you know, hey, embrace the suck. We we got exposed in that game, and it's it was terrible. Um, although, I will say this, man, when you compare it to this TCU-Georgia game, I feel a little better. Although that's not a very nice thing, feeling better at someone else's misery. Like, it's still bad what happened to Notre Dame. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I can I can at least now point to be like, well, look over here at Exhibit A, you know? <laughs> yep. So, I don't know. Those are my feelings about it. Uh, we got some numbers to back, back that up, but I see that Adam and Kevin are there. Kevin! Kevin Davis. Hello, back. hello, hello. Welcome to the Fighting Five at Irish Nothing Faithful show. Awesome. Nice to be with you guys. Welcome, sir. Yeah, that, yeah, that TCU-Georgia game, um, what frustrated me was that everybody was like, TCU's going to upset Georgia. They're going to upset Georgia. I'm like, bull crap. They're not. <laughs> no, I didn't TCU, think so either. TCU has never faced, and, and the same thing if you go back to when Notre Dame played Alabama, TCU had never faced a front six like Georgia's front six on either side of the ball. Like, they they didn't face that all year. I don't think Michigan would have beat Georgia. I think nobody would have beat them. I Their agree. front six was just dominant. And if you go back and think about when we play Alabama, the, we got beat by the, the front six. It's like, it's like it shows us the importance of not – I know you guys always hear me talk about linebacks and all that, but there's something about a front six – that makes teams dominant. And what we saw was Georgia's front six on both sides of the ball, the front the front five running back, quarterback option, front seven on offense. Just dominate the game from start to finish. And then you run a 3-3-5 defense against them. 
it's not. It's just I, I hate that defensive front anyway. But it just wasn't going to work. And as soon as they scored the first touchdown, I said this game's over. Yeah. It's too easy. Yeah, I, I put a tweet out there um, that, so, so I believe TCU took the ball first. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, I don't know if it's three or out. It doesn't matter. Um, one thing I, I put on here is that it took TCU to score on their third possession, whereas it took Notre Dame didn't score their first touchdown until four minutes and eight seconds left in the third quarter. Notre Dame was down 35 to zero. <laughs> at that point so so point for tcu in in as far as when did you score first but that's the thing tcu and even the doc said that to me tonight she's just like well at least tcu scored in the in you know early in the game you know in the first quarter and it was it was compelling it was what 10 to 7 at the time and it was like ah you know okay we may have we may be in for a little bit of a fist fight here you know we never know and then they just get shellacked after that um but uh, there, uh, one thing I wanted to say, and and I'll throw it back to you, and, and I may have the number slightly screwed up, but if memory serves me well, Alabama on their first possession scored in like three minutes, 58 seconds or something against Notre Dame in their first possession. On Georgia's first possession, it was like almost the exact same time. Like within three seconds of time of possession, marching down the field, putting points on the board for your first touchdown and be up seven to zero. It's crazy. It was, it was crazy stupid. Like they did it and they did it so fast. I'm like, and I, and I was, I had the game and I pause it on the DVR and I go, go to open my phone and I go find the box score of Notre Dame is Alabama. Go do this. Look at the possession time of Alabama, their first possession and Georgia's first possession, it's within five seconds, three seconds of each other. It's stupid similar. And it's like, whoa, this is weird. We're having like a deja vu moment. And at that point, I was like, I don't know. And I thought Georgia was going to win anyway. But, yeah. Yeah, my only defense, uh, and when people compare it to Notre Dame game, I just say, did you guys watch the Manti Tail documentary? I did. Like. There, there I, I, I just like there was a lot going on behind the scenes for us for that game. So I'm like, I try to use that as a, you know, yeah, we got whooped just as bad, but we had a lot going on at the time. Correct. There was a lot going off in order. When I I was that a hole on Twitter saying, all right, who at TCU got catfished before the game? <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- and that's not nice. I, I I fully embrace that. You know that that is kind of shitty to say, but it's like, well, you know. I mean, my hope is this with with Teo. You know, he's he's clearly moved on. He's married. He's got a kid, right? You know, it's you know his pro career. He, he was clearly never the same from an from a linebacker, you know, killer instinct standpoint after that, right? And who would be right? Um, but like, that's <laughs> my point. It's like, well, humor is the spice of life, and it's like you know, I. You know, I get made fun of for stuff. You know, Red Snapper, don't jump on right now and talk right now. But <laughs> if your microphone's broken, maybe we'll just leave it broken. But yeah, I, I tweeted that, yeah. so it's not very nice. But yeah, the only thing that the positives I, I got from that game was really for for Notre Dame is they showed Georgia showed us something like as far as it, the DNA of who they are. We have the O-line, we have the running back, so we have that set. Now we have a quarterback. So we have the offensive front six, front seven. 
Now we need to get the defensive front set. We can get that defensive front six. I think we're looking pretty good. I think I we can figure that out. I think we're pretty solid as a team next year. Yeah, that's a, that always seems to be the elusive, elusive piece. You know, you look at Alabama, you look at Georgia and some of these other teams, you know, they just got these animals that, you know, it's got a screw loose and they just these huge dudes on the D line. And and if we go back to 2012, you know, Notre Dame had that with, you know, Knicks and to it. And then you had, you know, Capron Lewis more more with this like, you know, he's kind of this like bearded grizzly old man, you know, Rip Van Winkle kind of guy, you know, he's like walking around with a cane or whatever, you know, and it's like, it reminds me of Sheldon Day too, you know, he kind of had that, you know, like, le- like wise leader kind of vibe, you know, maybe not like the most gifted athletically, but technique was sound and, and, and a solid leader on the field, a captain, right, you know, and that was Capron Lewis Moore in 2012. And then you throw Nixon to it on there, it's like, wow, you know, and then, you know, people like Shembo jumping in there or um, who is it? Kona Schwanke would jump in, you know, just Notre Dame had depth in 2012. And I think Kevin's hitting it on the head. It's like, you know, you need guys like that, that will contribute at the next level. This is my my bone throwing to the NFL here. Um, you need guys like that, you know, that are that are going to be ready to go. Yeah, because the. If you looked at the roster construction going into the game, there there was just the depth in itself. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Georgia had 53 four-stars and 15 five-stars. That's 68 players on their roster were four or five-stars. TCU had 17, and that wow. was it. They had 59 three-stars. Like, you just look at that in itself. So, mm. while. You, you might TCU's got seventeen uh, or sixteen four stars, one five star. Okay, but what position and who's their backup? Whereas Georgia, when you have fifty three four stars, that's an entire NFL roster of four stars. And throwing fifteen five stars, their depth when they have to uh, substitute a player, the, there's no drop off. You can't quote unquote take advantage of. Um, a player missing like for example what Clemson did against Notre Dame when Julian Love went down it was a significant drop-off you're not going to see that when you face a team like a Georgia or Alabama or some of these other teams that's why recruiting is so damn important because it's great to coach up and get the most out of your players but when you're starting at the four and five star level it's going to be a lot easier and on that note, uh, one thing I and I, I I did some statistical analysis for my bowl mania picks, i.e., fourth place. No, I didn't win, but I did win a little bit of money, uh, and uh, it wasn't much. You know, it's like whatever. You know, I can I can afford a cheeseburger now. Um, TCU, and, and that's a lot because inflation has made cheeseburgers expensive. Um, TCU's four-year recruiting average per seven. 24-7 sports is 38.5. Georgia, 2.5. Exactly. Notre Dame, if anyone's interested. Does anybody know what Notre Dame is? Just outside I've said the top. It all year. I've just said it well, all year. For, for, well, for what time, uh, time frame? How, how many years? Last four years. We're, we're just, I'm going to say 11. Close. 12.3. Okay. 
Not bad. Not bad. But see, I, I also uh, the rankings annually do uh, make a difference. But for example, this year's recruiting class is ranked compared to the rest of the recruiting classes lower, but their score is higher than it's been since what two thousand thirteen. Yeah. So I think that has some statistical value too. Is yeah. well compared to your uh, opponents, the ranking isn't as high but the talent on the roster is actually better well and and i and i don't disagree with that at all you know that and that is how the math and the numbers work out my my thought is i i don't usually look at from year to year just because you know you know the game quote unquote changes from year to year or you know decade to decade however you want to break that up um but college football is all about ranking teams relative to each other which is why I like comparing Notre Dame to that. Well, I don't like comparing Notre Dame to national champions because it tends to not work in our favor, but it is a water. It is a watermark of like, look, this is kind of like where you need to improve, right? Focus on these areas, right? It's very an analytical. And if anyone's in, you know, operations or manufacturing or, you know, the business majors out there, you know, they talk about statistics and Pareto charts and, you know, the 80, 20 rule, right? Um, you know, what's causing 80% of your, you know, issue, it's, it's probably only like 20% of the things that you really have to worry about. Right. And if we look at what the guy, what Georgia's doing the last two years and, and teams before that, you know, the LSUs and Alabama's and even Clemson, right. Um, you know, the last 10 years, you know, we look at these teams and, and we will do this next week. Um, everyone is invited back on. I, I already told the doc like, Hey, I got some homework to do. I got to rerun the numbers and she's like okay but then she also knows that after next week i'm gonna go dark until the spring game so she's like okay we'll let you have your your bit and then i can really cash in on the honey do list but <laughs> but but in all seriousness like you know notre dame does need to to emphasize certain areas and so when we look at the recruiting it's like okay yeah this is where we ended up this year, you know, and, and, you know, we had a couple of five stars that, that slipped away and they decided to, to go somewhere else. And, you know, Jesus loves them too. So peace be with them, you know, um, you know, but Notre Dame's, you know, you know, in that top 10 kind of area, you know, and, you know, we finished in 2023 per 27, 24, seven sports at eight, you know, which does not suck. That's better than 12.3. Um, you know, is it number one? No, at one point we were number one, um, but you know, it's it, at the end of the day, you know, like, look, you, you can be USC and Texas A&M and some of these other schools that get five stars, you know, like fucking Miami is at fourth, right? Do we really think Miami is going to be a world beater? You know, Texas clearly is not back, but somehow they ended up third, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so like, uh, don't get me wrong. You need good players, and Five Foot Nothing Pod has 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 converted me over to like you'd rather get the five star, four and five stars in and coach them up versus the three and four star and coach them up, right? Like, uh, chances are you're going to be more successful with the with the guys that God has blessed with with you know the ability to just run faster. Yeah, because there, there's a reason Georgia's projecting the three peat, and it. It has nothing to do with the position. That we're, it has nothing to do with him. Oh. He's leaving. He's done. Is it Nike? So, Is it because they have Nike? It, I, it might have to do with Nike. But but no, it's because 
much like when L- we always made the joke, anybody could have quarterbacked Alabama back in the mid two thousands, uh, or not two thousand tens. Like when that whole run started, twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen is the year. That was crazy good. That that too. Twenty fifteen is the year. Jake Coker. Yeah. Who the fuck is Jake Coker? <laughs> but when you're recruiting every other position at that level, you're the quarterback is not as consequential. But when you look at Notre Dame, it it's going to be really tough, despite how good Freeman is and his emphasis on recruiting and everything else. Even with the NIL, go even if it was pre NIL, it's just going to be tough for our program to recruit at that level at all of those positions. So therefore you really have to hone in on a generational game changing quarterback, which we haven't had. And uh, I've heard other people talk about it in years past. Notre Dame could very well look like Clemson. If you get that Deshaun Watson, if you get that Trevor Lawrence type player, because we do have above average talent at other positions. Do we have the, you know, 53 four stars and 15 five stars? No, but we have good enough talent that if you just get that the most important position locked down at the highest level, that's the game changer. So Georgia's going to repeat because they get all this talent everywhere else. It doesn't have to be at the quarterback position. But TCU got to where they got because of Max Duggan. Oh, that's, agree. 100%. That's where, well, that's and, where... and, and, and I think another thing with Georgia is, you know, time will tell and, and we'll see what happens with TCU here, you know, with, uh, with, um, you know, you know, their program. Um, but, but coaching winning percentage and coaching, you know, year in, year out, you know, like Georgia has had to, to overcome some challenges, you know, and, and, and go up the mountain, but then fall off the mountain, but they're staying in it. And with Kirby smart and, and, you have to have a good coach that does that. And, yeah. and Kirby smart is a good coach and anyone who says otherwise needs their head examined. Um, but at the same time, it's like, look, he's taken the program and, and been there, done that. And, and now he's got two titles back to back. And, and that is very, very challenging. The last you guys, I'm sure I know five foot nothing pod knows this. The last team that went back to back titles. It's Alabama in 2012. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's yeah. it, it's crazy. You know, it, it doesn't happen very often. As as much as good as Alabama has been in recent years, they've only done it once, um, which is crazy. You know, and and, and start talking about Kirby Smart. I, I know you mentioned his pregame speech earlier in your in the show tonight. Uh, whether you agree with the language or not, or whatever. And it motivationally, obviously, it was effective. But after the game, you, you know, and this is this was shocking to me because apparently it wasn't just one player. Multiple players on the Georgia roster commented something along the lines of people doubting them. Uh, the most famous quote was that whatever the one guy was said, those who thought we were going seven and five, look at us now, we're perfect. Or, it, it's something to that effect, but the line was – you thought we were going seven and five. Who thought and that? That that the answer that has been coming back around is Kirby Smart had to have said something to these guys to get them to believe 
that they were going seven and five. So I did a little uh, uh, Fighting Irish Faithful uh, statistical numbers work. Oh, here we go. Georgia was favored. They played 15 games, right? They were favored by double digits in 12 of them. So they were favored by at least 12 of the 15. And the three that they were not were Ohio State. uh, I have the tweet up somewhere. But it was Ohio State and – it was a weird. It wasn't even one of the games you would expect. It wasn't even Tennessee. Uh, hmm. They were favored by ten against Tennessee. Like Florida or some shit like that. Or I was. Just, it was random. Hmm. Uh, but in, in national championship, they were favored by thirteen. No, I'm mistaken. They were only favored by single digits one time. It was Ohio State. It was less than fifteen. That's what it was. Less than fifteen three times. Hmm. My mistake. Less than fifteen three times. National championship. Ohio State and Tennessee. Hmm. And they were favored by at least 29, I think, seven times. No, the, the idea that they were going seven and five and they believed that tells me that's the difference uh, to some extent, right? Like somehow Kirby Smart got enough of these kids to actually believe people out there thought they were going seven and five. And, 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 and I don't deny any of that. And, and maybe just, you know, I mean, we're running a podcast here and we're, we're looking at stats and numbers and data and, you know, we're, we are living vicariously through these guys. Don't get me wrong. And so, you know, we're trying to soak up as much information as possible. You know, we're reading all the stats, what's the money line, you know, what's the spread, you know, et cetera. You know, if you transport yourself back to college, you know, as you're an 18, 19 year old young man, you know, and you're just going to class as college and you're going to practice or whatever, you know, and it's just like, are you really paying attention to what the spread is? I, I my hope would be no, they're not right, which which is a good thing if you're, you know, kind of trying to isolate your players and, and keep their mind, you know, ready. And, and so in, in that sense, may, maybe Kirby Smart is aware of this and they've created an environment within their program, you know, between, you know, football practice and maybe going to class, you know, I don't really know how that works. You know, that's a whole other topic, but, <laughs> but, but, but point being, if, if, if what you're saying is a hundred percent true, five at nothing pod, then, then Georgia is doing a really good job of keeping the minds of their players fresh and keeping their minds focused on their duty and their responsibilities uh, to go out there and beat the shit out of the opponent, quite frankly, and not worrying about national media, what ESPN is saying, what Vegas is saying, or even what we're saying here on the Fighting Five Foot Irish Nothing Faithful show, which I think we need to keep this as a as an annual thing that postseason we we come together and we combine two shows into one. Well, and, and I'm glad we did it because with my new job, my my free time has been limited, and you 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 brought it to me and I'm like, you know what, let's just do this. Cause I, I need to get, get my, uh, my thoughts out in the ether. So I appreciate it. But real quick, I found exactly what I was looking for. Um, Nolan Smith was quoted saying they thought we were going to go seven and five and we end up perfect. I guess I can talk trash now. <laughs> and like what? So I, and then I looked it up. They, <clears throat> they were 
favored by 23 plus points nine times. And the only game they were a single digit favorite was the semifinals against Ohio State. 14 other other games of the 15, they were double digit favorites. Wow. I just, so it somehow, some way, they had this mindset that, no, people are doubting us. Let's go prove them wrong. And then you hear the pregame speech, and it's like, that's, yes, you're getting four- and five-star kids. That's part of it. But coaching is still a part of it. Motivating tactics it is. are still it, a part it of is. it. It is. You do need to have coaching. You must have good coaching. You know, you can't be, you know, Lane Kiffin with four- and five-star guys at USC and doing stupid fullback passes against Notre Dame, right? Like, that's not going to work. That was a coaching error. <laughs> yeah, it's it, well, it's in-game coaching. It's uh, you know, preparationally coaching, motivationally coaching. All, all well, that eliminates things. Brian Kelly as far as motivational coaching. So, correct. So for all, <laughs> I, I'm waiting for you know. Oh well, LSU didn't have all their their guys. It was still it's shocking how good they did, and blah 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 blah. And I said, I can't wait. Does for- that matter though? What? Like them not having, I mean, it's not our fault that the players go off to the NFL. I mean, this is at you know. AJ. Is it Desai four? Yeah, Did I say yeah, that correct. Just, okay. Yeah, Joshua, Joshua Flawa. I love following my my uh, faithful Irish fans. School that I went to, I love it. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mike. I no, no, go ahead. No, no, that's no, no, okay. Go. No, no, this no, is an open forum. Yeah, awesome. We we awesome. embrace oh, yeah. we embrace conflict within you know reason here. Huge <laughs> mic Let me turn on my light here. There we go. Um, here's my thing. Like, I mean, Ohio State's gonna lose. I mean, obviously Jackson Smith and the but didn't really play. Luke Wepler, they're gonna lose. Uh, obviously C.J. Stroud, Mayan Williams, he's gone too. But I mean, like. It's not like they're going to have their future recruits, like, be or somewhere be a shade of them. I mean, like, probably won't see, like, a JT Baird again or something like that. But then, hey, you created Justin Fields, you created CJ Shrouds, Shrouds of the world and all that. And then you got two five-star quarterbacks just sitting there and Devin, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. So it's not like, it's it's not like, you know, they're suffering or anything, you know, in my opinion, I, I mean, look, I, I respect um, Ohio State's program and all of that out of Columbus and all of that. You sure, know, I sure. Friends go to, I, I had a lot of friends that go out there. And, they hate know, Michigan, they too. We hate them, too. It's fine. Of course, I hate Michigan, too. But, like, you know, I mean, I'm a fan of Jim Arbaugh, but, like, you know, when he was in the NFL and Stanford, I really loved him all out there. And, like, you know, him going out to Michigan and, like, you know, helping out, you know, the Big Ten um, in terms of Michigan's enrollment and all of that. Like, you know, obviously with when when Hook was there, Brady Hook was there, you know, the rec- recruiting wasn't as top as it was when John, Jim Harbaugh is there. So it's just like, you know, for me, it, it's like, you know, I, I don't look, I'm not fans. Uh, I'm not fans of both teams at all. But like I respect their programs, respect everything that they do of getting kids to the NFL. But there's got to be a balance in terms of what you say two things because like Notre Dame like you know I really think 
this Sam Hartman graduate transfer is going to bring guys like Justin Jones to this school. Like, granted, they might not play the first year, but I really think that he might. He might just like, hey, I want to be a true freshman. I want to go out there and play and give my give my team a best chance of, you know, winning a national championship. You know, I would not be I would not be sad about that. You know, um, I would I would want all hands on deck situation here at Notre Dame, and I obviously do want Ohio State to come to our house, and I do want to beat the living piss out of them. You know, it, it would just mean the world to me. Like. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're losing all these recruits. It doesn't matter who they bring in. They're still the Ohio State University, and it should be your goal to beat them whenever they walk into Notre Dame Stadium. Period. I concur. It doesn't and, matter and who currently, they have. Well, and if you just look historically at, at teams in the in the Midwest, and, and, and AJ, I really appreciate your, your input, and you don't have to go on mute. That's fine. I, this is just something I do because I have to exercise my strong arm as co-host here. But the... Uh, the the team in the Midwest to beat has been Ohio State. Historically, it was you know Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State kind of creeps in there every now and then, um, but really it's you know ever since you know uh, the Trestle years, really I mean it's been Ohio State, um, and so you know it, it, if we are playing them, I think that's a great thing. Um, you know, Notre Dame and hosting Ohio State, you know, like that's going to take some some research to figure out, you know, on Winsipedia or whatever to figure out last time Ohio State played Notre Dame at Notre Dame, if ever. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, so I bet Notre Dame and Ohio State have played, you know, more neutral games than they have played in South Bend. Um, no, I agree. I agree. At least in recent years, that's for sure. So, you know, so you're not wrong when you say, you know, we, we do need to to recognize who are the good teams. And so I really appreciate that Notre Dame is playing Ohio State, uh, you know, this coming season. We played them last year. You know, we're in the ACC, so we get Clemson and, you know, Florida State's, you know, I think on the uptick, you know, we'll see how that goes, you know, down there. Um you know, but we got Texas A&M in a couple of years. That's going to be exciting. Alabama is coming up in a, in a, in a few years after that. You know, I'm ex- I'm encouraged to see that. Now, I'd feel better if we had like Oregon on the schedule or Boise, my second favorite team, but that's just me. You know, hey, Notre Dame, Boise, Mile High, Colorado, do it. All right. I would not mind that one. Everyone thing. would I mean, like that. If it That'd wasn't like. Even if you, even if the game was in Idaho on that blue turf, I would. Oh, I love the blue I, turf. I, I will play on the smurf turf. Smurf nice. turf, baby, do it. Well, does yep, Notre Dame even turf. have the That's balls it. to play on the blue field? I'll just say that you know, like I, I honestly, don't... I don't even know if like they'll be used to it or anything like that. That's one thing that they're gonna have to like <laughs> try to like color their own practice squad and. At least it's not as bad inside. as Eastern Washington. It is literally that bright is... red. It is terrible. Yeah, I don't even know how you would see the football on that, like when it's being snapped. It gives you a sunburn. I will say that your your yeah. skin becomes the color if if you're if you're like me and Polish. But okay, um, but yeah, no, AJ, AJ, I, I kind of cut you off. Uh, the the bourbon is taken over, and yes, we are drinking bourbon. I know I'm kind of normally the Scotch guy, but yeah, it's the I off know. season, and I just went to Kentucky this last weekend and got a Weller, so. Oh, no shit. Wait, you're drinking Wellers, too? That's what I'm drinking. Oh, all right. That's the toast of the night. AJ, you're the toast of the night. 
okay. <laughs> yeah, I got. I, I went out to. I went out to Lexington, and then right, right out of Lexington is where the, where the I believe the Wellers Distillery is. Like one of their locations. Yeah, it's over in uh, well, Frankfurt, there, state capital. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo Trace. So, man. yeah, Buffalo Trace is great. I got a bottle of that. I got a couple of bottles of Knob Creek. I mean, I don't really drink beer. I just rather go for the hard stuff. I mean, you know, kind of brings the reality out of you, but like. Last time we played Notre Dame in South Bend was when I was two years old on September 28th, 1996. Yeah, I, that was the Eddie. I think Eddie George was still there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then before that, it was 1936. We won by a score of 7-2. to two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So the, the, the one thing I – I have to. Uh, I can't stay on too much longer. I know it's probably later for you, Joe. But uh, we're you're talking about next year's schedule. I, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, you know, yes, we have Ohio State. Yes, there's USC. Yes, you got Clemson. Yes, you're going to have a maybe angry Wake Forest team. But we get to warm up against Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan before we get to the Ohio State game. There's in Ohio State has holes to fill as AJ was pointing out. I, if Notre Dame figures it out against the teams that they should be able to figure it out against, I don't see how we don't have high expectations starting after those three games going into Ohio state and looking at the rest of the season. Cause really after those games, after you go Ohio state, USC, Wake, Clemson, uh, Stanford, Duke, Louisville, North Carolina state Pitt. We have a really well, – one. actually, I don't even know if it's going to be in that order because there's some TBAs in here. But ones that are decided are August through October. I, I'm i looking forward to a really exciting Notre Dame 2023 season. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the oh, – yeah. the, the, let me put it this way. When you win your bowl game, you feel really good in the offseason. When you lose your bowl game like last year, there's a lot of like question marks and you're a little more critical and 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 we should still be objective, don't get me wrong, but you feel better, you know, like hey, we finished on a high note. Does the win, you know, in the Gator Bowl really mean anything and move plate tectonics? The answer is of course no. All right? And you know, if if you really want to you know, be second guessing or whatever, be like, well, how many people opted out for Notre Dame, you know, for the draft versus how many for South Carolina? Like you can go down that road road and start, you know, second guessing things left and right. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, as fans, we're going to say, look, this is what happened on the field. This is the game that was there. And whether people were there by injury, by suspension or their own free will uh, to, you know, go work out in a weight room and get ready on their 40 time for the draft, you know, you know, that's, Spencer their, Rattler. that's their decision. Right. You know, I mean, and so it's like, look, Buckner was back. That feels good. Right. Now we've got Hartman coming in. That feels good too. Right. So like, I really think the, the challenges for coach Freeman and for coach Reese to figure out, okay, which one of these guys are we going to pick? Or are we going to have packages for both and we have to, you know, manage that? 
I don't know. That's for them to, to sort out and we'll we'll see what happens in the weight room and, you know, in the in the offseason and in practice and chemistry and who grasps the offense. And because that's something Buckner has the advantage of. He already has the playbook. Hartman doesn't. Yeah, I I don't see Hartman coming to Notre Dame unless he had very, very high confidence he's he's going to be the guy well i don't uh, doubt you for a minute and if if you want you know okay people are listening to this so i guess they want my opinion if you listen yeah. to fighting irish faithful i'm gonna say that hartman's gonna be the starter and then yes. buckner's gonna be you know specific packages or you know god forbid hartman goes down with an injury right and then buckner is the guy coming in i don't know but but if you want my opinion, I'm going to say the Hartman will be the starter just based off of what you just said, Mike. Yeah, and, and I'm sure the coaching staff gave him uh, that idea as well. But the reason we had to get Hartman is because regardless of what your opinion of Tyler Buckner is, there is no way we got into next year potentially running into the same situation we did this year. It's just you could not – there was zero contingency plan. If Buckner goes down, what do we have? Nothing. Well, yeah. let's hope no, he doesn't. Agree. And just having Minchie coming in or Angeli sitting in Angeli, the background. Angeli, yep. Yeah. It, it's just it, – they're, they're – without Hartman, our entire quarterback room was uh, anywhere from a small question mark to the biggest of question marks. And that's that, – not okay when we're uh, at most positions right there. We're, we have championship level kids at most positions, but the quarterback was a glaring weakness last year, and you could not. Brady Quinn, risk. I would say, but that's just me. Since Brady Quinn, yeah, the, I mean, like, I, I, I guess Deshaun yeah. Kaiser was amazing. But then I'm just like, okay, a couple of years later, we got Sam Hartman. I just wish that like Sam Hartman played with like Chris Fink and Claypool and all those guys. I think we would have won a national championship at one point. But Oh, I just want to win a natty so bad. Well, and you keep listening to, to, to my show on the Fighting Irish Faithful show. I'll, I'll provide those stats and those numbers. And that is what we will talk about next week is um, – so if anyone's new, um, AJ, welcome to the show. Happy you joined us. I think I threw you a follow there on Twitter. Um, we, uh, what I like doing is, is, I don't know if I like doing this, but, but it seems necessary. Why are we not holding a trophy? What is Georgia doing? What is Alabama doing? What is, you know, pick a team that's won the last 10 years. I look at what these guys do, these teams do, these coaches, whatever. What are the stats, the numbers, the output, and rank them in order of priority and preference. And we look at those and say, okay, this is how Georgia's doing. This is how Alabama's doing. This is how Notre Dame's doing. And what is the gap? And what do we need to close, for example? And and some of this stuff is kind of obvious, but other things that like really filters out what's important. The most important stat, total touchdowns scored. Number two most important stat, at least going in in the 2022 season, it will change next week ever so slightly. Stay tuned for next week for that information. But the number two most important stat was passing touchdowns. After that was scoring defense. 
right? So so it starts putting in priority and what did these these teams do from an output standpoint as far as the actual number? And then how did they rank relative to everybody else? All other, you know, 129 teams. That's what we do on my show. You know, Five at Nothing Pod is a little more analytical into kind of the, the personnel um, and a little bit of the X's and O's. We got Kevin Davis who's coming in and talking you know, defensive schemes and, and, you know, this coverage versus that. And, you know, this, this line front, you know, um, and then red snapper is, you know, strong arming me as big brother. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just, I like the idea. I mean, I've been listening to Mike's pod for about a couple of years now. I'm on my, on my way to work on like, you know, on road trips when I'm getting my whiskeys and stuff. It's good. I love it. I love the idea of like going into statistical deep dives of like what scheme we should run and like what type of statistics we're seeing on our defense. And like, you know, uh, this year was kind of a step back, you know, but we started stealing a balance at towards the end of the season. And like, you know, that's what you want. And like, I think that's, you want to be if you want to be like an Alabama or Georgia in the future. I mean, their teams are super, super balanced, and you know, um, good good quarterback and Stetson Bennett as a walk on. You know, he came in two years ago not knowing what the hell he was going to do, and like you know, Kirby Smart made him into a ball player. That is yeah. what it is, and yeah. you know, I mean, guys like Lawrence Cager that went off to the NFL, guys like you know, I believe George Pickens played there, and like you know. Guys like um, Brock Bowers are going to go to the NFL and, you know, just just kill it, you know. And, like, you know, I mean, like, we have guys in the NFL that kill it too, but we just need to get over that hump. And I think Hartman gives us that chance for his last year of eligibility. I just think that, like, you know, if our guys are hot and our guys can do what Alabama and Georgia can do at the right moment, it doesn't have to be every week. It doesn't have to start in week zero, you know. It can start within you know, you're five and one, you're sitting pretty, like you probably like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just checkmarking the Ohio State as a Ohio State game as a W because I really think that this year upcoming is really super, it's going to be super special in South Bend. I'm, I'm telling y'all, man, in the Bend, it's going to be very, very super special. I don't even know what's a sentence, but it's going to be super special. Like, I mean, I haven't, like, I, I was, I was talking about like, you know, this, uh, Sam Hartman might just be that quarterback since we had, since, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't put him into the Sean Kaiser category, but I'd probably put him, like, best, probably, like, just by on paper, like, after Brady Quinn, probably. And that was a long time ago. Ooh. And I'm just like, you know, it, it, it's it's, it's going to be interesting high, to see. That's a high mark. That's a high mo- watermark right there. It is. It is. And, like, you know, if he's, if, if he, if he, if he can do, the statistically best quarterback Notre Dame's had in the modern era. Yeah. But if he can do just 80% of what he did, I don't know what school he played, I forgot. But um, if he can do what he did at his former school in the ACC, you know, we have familiarity with the ACC. We're playing a couple of a couple of uh, decent um, c- couple of um, opponents that are in the ACC. I mean, granted, we are independent. It doesn't really, it doesn't even matter. The way I, that I see it, I think we're partially in the ACC, but like we like to make money, so that's that's Notre Dame for you. But like, it's <laughs> it's good because you are you are America's university. Like, it, it, yeah, Alabama is not America's university. It's not yeah. Georgia. It's yeah, not Alabama Florida. cannot not... draw make the draw that Notre Dame can. There's there's something unique about Notre Dame and. 
that's all why a lot of people hate Notre Dame, you know, and, you know, there's all sorts of Notre Dame fans out there and, 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 you know, and I think that's something that's unique and special about Notre Dame, you know, whether you're Catholic or whether you were Irish or you grew up in the Midwest or, you know, you had a buddy that go there or you went there, you know, like there's a lot of avenues for why someone could be a Notre Dame fan. And especially today, if you're a young person today that was born in the, the 80s or the 90s or whatever, you know, like it, it there's no bandwagon for Notre Dame other than you know the occasional like oh they're having a good season but like Notre Dame hasn't won a legit bowl game since the 1994 cotton ball cotton bowl which is the 93 season really we haven't won a title since 88 right so so there's no bandwagon with Notre Dame you have people who have made a conscientious decision to say that is my team this is where I'm planting my flag and this is the hill I'm going to die on, right? Whereas right. I'd be very curious how many of these Alabama fans were fans before 2009. I, I'm, uh, just I gonna, I'm just going to say that, right? 30 to 40%. I mean, like like Michigan people, I think, are, are, are fairly loyal. Um, USC fans are trash. Um, you know, Ohio State fans, you know, they're, they're pretty loyal, but they, they've also been... Um, they've been successful relatively you know and we we kind of premised that earlier so so i'd be curious on some of these other other you know people who are like oh yeah you know go you know whatever and it's just like you know it's kind of like it's kind of like iu and basketball if i if i may jump over you know iu hasn't hasn't won anything big in a while but like man people around here in central indiana whatever you know they love iu you know and it's they go I live back. in Indy, so it's it's up here. I mean, people, people like I mean, like people do pay, favor Purdue because hey, Ugh. Purdue's a hell of a team. They are a hell of a team, and they've lost their Purdue, records Purdue now twice, right two seasons Indiana, in a row. Indiana's not doing. <laughs> Purdue doing, lost a Rutgers no, I'm, two I'm years in a row. I'm just saying they're doing something right <laughs> in that recruiting room that Indiana's not doing. I mean, like i just don't get it i mean like you have a former nba coach i mean just just open up the i I think they'll get there but you know i mean like you could say the same thing for for a bunch of other teams but like my my point going back to notre dame here is like if you're a notre dame fan you've decided this 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 is a decision you conscientiously made for multiple a multitude of reasons and the one reason that really matters the most i.e being the best team in college football is not one of them. It's really not. Not in recent years. Yeah. It, I mean, you, like you can go back and you know compare Notre Dame in the '40s or whatever, and, and you know that's awesome. You know, because you know I I love you know Frank Leahy, but it's like, look, that does that really matter? And and does it have a ton of significance and relevance in 2023? Probably not. Right. So if you're a Notre Dame fan. There are multiple reasons why you did that, or you were inundated, you know, at, at a, as a child, like I'm doing with my son. We'll see. <laughs> That's a hope for mine. I hope he, like, you know, can solve. I mean, I feel bad for Mike Bray tonight. I mean, he's getting a lot of hate if we if we were talking about Notre Dame athletics, but 
I, I feel for him. I really do. It's it's not easy. I mean, the, that's kind of the nature coach. of I think being a coach, and and you know, I, I I do not follow Notre Dame basketball. You know, I went to Gonzaga. I have got a degree from Gonzaga. Um, you know, I've been cool. I was a fan prior to attending said university and getting my degree. So, um, you know, like. So, so I, I have a, a bias when it comes to, to college basketball, you know, um, but, you know, back to Notre Dame here, you know, the, the one time they had the opportunity that, that was the shining city on a hill moment and, you know, Holtz won in year three, Parsegian won in year three and Leahy, you know, or, you know, a, a divine one in year three. And so it was Kelly's third year and Manti is getting Heisman talk. And, you know, he's doing miraculous interceptions at Oklahoma and just all this crazy shit. And we go three overtimes with Pitt. And it's like this manifest destiny season of 2012. And then we go and face Alabama and get schlacked by 28 points. Yeah. Which which brings think... me to this comparison I, I want to do, and then and then we we kind of need to shut it down because it's getting late here in in the East Coast here. But um, I want to do a comparison here of Notre Dame Alabama versus TCU Georgia, and some things that jumped off the page. And there are seven things that are stupid similar between Alabama of twenty twelve, well it's really twenty thirteen. And Georgia, this this past national champion. Running plays, Alabama 45, Georgia 44. Passing plays, 28 even. Total plays, 73 Alabama, 72 Georgia. Run percentage, almost the same, 61.6 for Alabama. Georgia, 61.1. Completions, both A.J. McCarron and Stenson Bennett had 20 completions. Completion percentage, both exactly 71.4%. Passing attempts per touchdown, 7 for both teams, which is really, really high, really good. Um, Notre Dame was 36, if anyone cares, and TCO was 0. They had nothing. They had, you know, they didn't get any passing touchdowns. Those things jumped off the page as far as what Alabama and Georgia did that were like stupid similar and almost identical. Now, what's really weird is when Alabama, you talk about a balanced team, Alabama in that game had 265 rushing yards and 264 passing yards. Now, Georgia ended up having 335 passing yards, but they had 254 rushing yards. So it's... I think that's also just common in college football. You know, you pass the ball more. And what's the second most important stat? Passing touchdowns. It is what it is. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's dude, I, I just look at these offenses and I watch that game. I mean, you know, uh, Georgia was firing under all cylinders. And to be honest, if I think like I think if if. If it was like one of those, like you know, independent and Big Twelve champion championship, uh, ch- sorry, uh, conference sh- um, showoffs, I think I, I, I like you know if 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 can if Kansas State can do it, we can do it too. I mean, it's I mean, like I understand. Ken I mean, Miller TCU almost lost to Baylor, right? Like, and I'm just like, 
wait a second. So, like, who, like, I, okay, I'm not one of those fans that would be like, hey, Alabama, you lose your, you already lost twice. But, dude, like, if you're Nick Saban and you're listening to the dude at halftime talk and you don't have that, like, I'm pretty sure Nick Saban wanted to, like, head, head like, like, put him in a headlock at that point. Like, you're talking about my football team here, man. Like, and, like, he's probably thinking in his head, Nick Saban is like, I want to get, I want to get all these recruits right now and I want to go out there and I want to be on that field when this chump is talking about me, like, like the way he was talking about it. Like, you know, I have a lot of respect for Nick Saban. He's a tremendous head coach. Oh, sure. And, and, you know, like, anyone who wins as many titles and puts up, you know, and, and they're always part of the conversation, right? You know, and, and. You know, I'm just curious, you know, again and again, you know, where they're going to end up next season. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Um, and, and one thing I think, you know, to kind of turn it back around to, to Notre Dame here versus TCU. So we did a little, you know, comparison of, of how similar Alabama and Georgia the were. Game would be, yeah. What about the discrepancy between Notre Dame and TCU and their respective games? So obviously margin and score, right? So Notre Dame put up 14, TCU 7. Okay. I would argue that Georgia was a better defense uh, than Alabama, you know, you know, and and that's one thing I wanted to do was to go through all 20 stats for all four teams, quote unquote, um, for those those years and and compare them, you know, on the numbers basis of who was better and who wasn't, right? Um, but I ran out of time and I didn't make time. But um, Notre Dame did pass significantly more in 2012 than what TCU did. Um, Notre Dame only had 32 rushing yards versus TCU's 36. Um, but Notre Dame had 270 passing yards. Notre Dame actually had more passing yards than Alabama in that natty game, which is really weird. But Notre Dame had 302 total yards versus TCU's 188. Ouch. Um, turnovers. TCU had three. Notre Dame just one. Um, third down percentage. I think this is key. Notre Dame was t- one out of four, 25%. TCU, 18%. And then scoring drives. Notre Dame, 18%. Versus TCU's eight percent of all twelve possessions, all twelve times TCU had the ball, they scored one touchdown in the first quarter. Now Notre Dame had eleven possessions and only scored on two of them, but they were in the third and fourth quarter respectively. And what's really weird is if I take kind of step back from the specific statistics and I just look at the box score and I just look at the overall complexion of the game. If I go to the TCU-Georgia game, it's fairly close in the beginning. You know, we talked about earlier in the podcast how TCU was, it was 10 to 7, and that was the closest the score ever was. And then after that, forget about it. But it's 17 to 7 in at the end of the first quarter. Then 21-0, 14-0, 13-0. TCU never scored again. Now, Notre yeah, Dame isn't much better. Like, nope. Yeah, Notre Dame and Alabama isn't much better because that was a very painful time. And if any, and if you go back and you watch that game, 
Alabama basically scored three touchdowns in the first quarter. They The first play of the second quarter is when Alabama punches it in. Okay, so they get credit for it technically in the second quarter, but really that drive existed in the first quarter. But for all intents and purposes of, of what the box score says, Alabama 14-0, then 14-0, but then it's 7-7, 7-7. So it's really weird is if you, if you really if you attribute that one that first quarter which is really when Alabama got a shit ton of chunks of yardage and points and whatnot and if we move that touchdown from Alabama's first touchdown of the second quarter to the first quarter which is really when it happened I mean it didn't happen but you know for argument's sake if you think of it that way Notre Dame lost the game. If you eliminate the first quarter and that other touchdown, Notre Dame lost 14 to 21. You can't say that about TCU, Georgia, because the game was significant. Now, you could also say that Alabama took their foot off the gas, right? And it's like, well, look, we're up, you know, like a shit ton at halftime. They were up 28 to zero, right? (laughs) But I mean... I mean, if you look over at, at the other side of this other game we're comparing to, Georgia's up by 31 points. It was 38 to 7 at halftime. Me and my boss were talking about it, and it's one of his buddies. I think, uh, I don't know who his buddy was, but, like, you know, he he played in the NFL. I forgot what team we were talking about the other day at the Houston Texans and Colts game. I'm not a Colts fan. I just wanted to go see, honestly, the Colts win so the bears can get the number one pick so that that was really nice but anyways (laughs) we're we're, we're sitting there we're talking um and it's just like we're just like what do you think about next week's game because we're we're sitting right and everyone's just like ah man tcu's gonna get their ass kicked i'm sorry for talking uh, like vulgar language here, but no, it's no, true. No. Cut. They they we have to. one rule on this show, and, and this is where I'm going to override Five Foot Nothing Pot. I don't know what he does on his show, but he he also is respectful here. The one rule is don't break commandments. So no oh. killing, no lying, no adultering, and and no taking the Lord's name in vain. No okay, shit yeah, and fuck of is fine. Notre Dame grad, I will never do that. Um, Lord and stuff. <laughs> It like, has nothing to do with being having a diploma for Notre Dame. It's more of just like, don't break commandments. Respect and, and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's my show, damn it. Yeah, but, it's my bully pulpit. But anyways, um, no, I'll keep that in mind for sure. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. That's okay. But, Everyone um, gets one warning and then, then you get booted. We've never exercised, exercised that. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Well, my fiance is definitely helping me work on like the whole um, captain's uh, sailors. Uh, not captain, is it is this like that scene that. in Rudy where where Elsa is telling D Bob to like like you know stop saying the GD blast, right? You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all it is. She reminds me of like Elsa and just like stop, and I'm like, okay. We talking about like, Elsa is like a wonderful person. She is. She is a wonderful person. And I like to put my fiance in that category. Is your fiance named Elsa? No, no. Can she's we call not. her Elsa? We could. I call her Elsa all the time. I'm like, oh my god, okay, Elsa. All right, I won't do it again. <laughs> but yeah, I like to. Compare she's like AJ, and she just shakes her head like. <laughs> yeah. No, she'll hit me. She'll like start hitting me on the back where it stings, and I'm like, oh my god, I hurt. 
Um, but like, no, what, what, what I'm saying is that like, you know, it's just, I lost track of thought, but it's just, it, you know, I mean, like you, when we were talking, me and my boss, it was just like, like, I, I even took the spread minus 29 and a half. <laughs> and I'm like, is this going to hit in the first quarter? It actually almost did, but then it hit, and then they just kept on going and going and going and going. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm the richest man alive right now because it was at, like, plus 800. And I'm like, I put, like, 30 on it, so I won 240. Thank you, Georgia. But, um, and I'm just like, buy you know, some I mean, gear. I'm sitting here. Right. And I'm sitting here. Why isn't like, like, I mean, let alone Alabama, but like, what, like, who cares about them for a second? But like, if they like played like a, like a non, like, like a conference show out game, Notre Dame beats his TCO team by two touchdowns, 38 21. Well, I no agree doubt with that. About it. I agree with that. No doubt about it. We would shut Kendra and Miller we, down. We have better players. Um, our defense, you know, is, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, like, uh, and I didn't do a statistical breakdown between the two teams. Don't get me wrong. You know, we could do that. But, um, I, you know, I, I, w- I would I would think that Notre Dame would have a shot against TCU. You know? Of course. Like, all you need to do is just rattle Max Duggan, and then he'll just turn into Jimmy Clausen in the NFL. Not in Notre Dame, but in the NFL. Um, <laughs> that's... Like, I mean, it's just like, okay, like, I know Kendrick Miller wasn't playing, but DeMarcado is not a bad pass blocking running back. He gave as much his time to Duggan as possible. No, but no one would no one would get open. None of the routes developed. And I thought that, like, you know, with, with, with the guys that we had in the secondary this year and this season, I don't think TCU throws for more than 250 yards against us. Sure. Sure. Like, well, and and with TCU, like you know, with how they beat Michigan, you know, with fast strike, and they they were able to run between the tackles. And Kevin Davis was talking about this earlier with you know, you know the 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 front group there up, you know, for the defense. And you know, Georgia just had that advantage that TCU was unable to accommodate for you know you could put that on coaching you could put that on players you could put that on on recruiting you know and and just overall talent and score and things of that nature and we we talked about the the talent discrepancy between the two teams um you know when notre dame lost to alabama as soul crushing as that was oh my god with all the stuff that was going around with the with the university and man Well, and the thing is, I mean, we didn't even know that at the time. Like I remember know, like, watching Jack, the Jack game Roberts and just kept under wraps. Well, and, and, and as, as they should, right? You know, and it came out later. Yeah. You know, if anyone hasn't seen the documentary, I'm most sure most people have. You know, but <laughs> I it's have. like, and it. It, it, it was a good documentary. You know, and it, and it really brought back a lot of those memories. You know, a lot of them good, a lot of them bad, and it's just like. You watch that game, and I remember just being so like, bad. "Okay, well, at least we have Teo, and he's just like, like walking in water, and just like looks like he's just covered in sludge, and just like, like what is wrong? There is definitely a spark." I remember watching this game, turning to the doc and saying, "There is something wrong with Teo." I said that to her. Little did I know that there was some real shit that had gone down in his life that. Like you couldn't even imagine this, right? Like getting it's, catfished is the I, worst thing it, that it, could happen. I to mean, it's so right terrible, now. and and you know, and we don't want to make this all about 
you know that no no situation but but simultaneously it's like like and and that is not the reason why notre dame lost don't get me wrong like there was a bunch of other statistical inadequacies that notre dame had um but if i if i compare the output of notre dame versus alabama and the output of tcu and georgia man this georgia just got smoked in the face now whether they quote unquote didn't belong on the field i think that's irrelevant because there's a 14 playoff and the the money men and the the people that run college football because the ncaa doesn't really give a shit um they've come up with this 14 my building oh yeah are you downtown downtown? is it you downtown yeah i'm downtown What what are you over at the uh i'm at the state of indiana well right but wait what is that like the name of your building like you live at the capitol or? yeah i work i work for the state government so oh, right I, I see the ncaa headquarters across the street uh, i thought you were gonna say like you live at like fountains of canal court or something along the canal there or something like that but <laughs> i do live there though i live in gardens of canal court though no uh, shit okay all right I, I won't all right now everyone knows where you live there yeah. everyone's googling this right I'm now. like hello just come through i got party <laughs> you know that the doc and i up. actually tried living in that exact complex when we moved up to indy gosh what year was that 2010 2011 2011 yeah. and we just couldn't get in so i live in greenwood so <laughs> Oh, you live in Greenwood? No, nice. Yeah, we are. Okay. Well, me and my we'll, we'll have to meet up. All right. We, we have digressed. All right. Let, let's turn it over to the oh, co-host here, sorry. Red Snapper and Five Foot Nothing here. Regisand, please give me a thumbs down. Just let me know you're alive and you didn't just pass <laughs> out. Um, AJ's here. I don't think you're alive after the Dolphins, man. That was such a great oh, game. Oh, burn. That burn. was such a great game. I don't even know how you give someone a first down after he didn't even get three yards. I don't know. I watched so zero NFL this weekend. I played video games instead. Five at nothing pod, red snapper. You guys there? You guys get well, get crapped hey, out. The, the only thing I was going to say, uh, you guys went on that uh, 2012 championship game. I said the only way I could accept it and understand it, and uh, even years later, it is kind of good that we lost, and I hate to say that. Like, you, you got to. It was gotta, a reality uh, check, right? And here, here's why. That 2012 season was a lot of smoke and mirrors, and there it was, was some so magical pride. though. It was. It but felt was so fucking good to get better at, and getting his ass handed to him as unpleasant and frustrating and everything else that was. So it, it kind of set in motion what ultimately led to the last five years. So he had that readjustment after that season. Then he had a big readjustment after the 2016 season. Ugh. But I feel like if Notre Dame wins that, that was the catalyst for me starting. That was that that season 2016. And I'll throw it back to you. 2016. Let me rephrase this. If 2016 never happened. I probably would never have listened to podcasts, would never have started being more aware, like self-aware of my fandom without 2016. That's how I started listening to other podcasts and then just like paying attention to what was going on and listening to what other people were talking about and like, like challenging any of my preconceived you know sitting indian style on the carpet watching the tv like oh notre dame is great you know and it's just like no we fucking suck we we're four and eight right now and we're terrible and 
you know, why is that? I want I, that was the question. Why are we so bad? We're Notre Dame. Yeah. We should not be this bad. And we're this bad. And it's like we have the same coach that took us to the, the title in 2012. And now we're four and eight. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like it, it didn't compute for me. And so that's when I started doing the research. That's when the stat, the spreadsheet was created. A bunch of other shit started going down. I started listening to other people. And then as time went on, it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do my own show. And here we are today. Because Brian Kelly thought the same thing you just did. I brought I brought this team to a national championship. What's wrong? And it was because there were some things that needed to be adjusted. And he, he wasn't doing it in a timely fashion to get to where the team needed to be. There were some slight adjustments. But 2016 was the culmination of, okay, I got to where I got this team very uh, uh, fraudulently fraudulently if you want to use that word it, it wasn't as legit as we thought it might be so I think with Freeman if we get there it's going to be legit and it's not going to be oh man like three years four years past that you're going to have a 4-8 record I don't see that Yeah, yeah I'm with you there but uh, I I got a call tonight, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting to that point. We're we're over two hours in, men. Um, I really appreciate you guys doing this show with me. Five and nothing pod. Red Snapper ninety ninety eight. Uh, AJ staying with us. Regis Sand, you've been with us the whole time, man. You you are, man. You're you're with it, man. You're you're kicking ass. He's a, he's a loyal guy. He might. He's be a loyal listener. He probably fell asleep, I think, but I don't know. He hasn't given me a thumbs down, you know, or whatever in a while, so maybe maybe it's it's something else going on, but yeah. <laughs> No, but like I hope everyone stays safe. Can't wait for September again. Oh yeah. And go Irish. I can't I can't wait till next week. We we will podcast next week. We will we will take care of business. Then I promise we will have a detailed breakdown of more statistics looking at the most recent. Now we have Georgia twice, the last 10 years of national champions. And what does Notre Dame need to prioritize and execute on in 2023 season with Hartman or Buckner or whatever's going on back there? Um, but yeah, good show. Good show. Well, I can't make any promises to be on next week. I will be in New Jersey for training with a new company. I don't know what the evening plans are day to day. If I can, I will, but I will always uh, listen when I can. So thank you for having me on. That's Appreciate okay. It. Five foot nothing, go ahead and do your sayonara there. <laughs> Five foot nothing, 100 nothing, out. Nice. Red Snapper, are you there? I lose you, my brother. Might have lost him. He was having some connection issues earlier. I really appreciate everyone jumping on. AJ, any final thoughts here? We'll give you the last word. Yeah, I mean, I hope that we win a national championship, and I hope we get all these guys that were crystal balled for, specifically Justin. Um, pretty sure his name is Justin Jones. I can't. I think I forgot. It's from Illinois, but I gotta look at his name again. But like, I hope we get him by the end of this month, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the future is bright. You know, you always feel a little more positive at the end of a win. Uh, it's your bowl game. And then, you know, like, you know, we, 
we won. You know, like it, it feels good. And there's nothing better that helps recruiting than winning. Just win. Oh yeah, definitely. keep winning. And, the- and regardless of that, you know, you know, success draws more success. And you know, if you're a good player, if you were great in high school, you won state or whatever. Um, you want to keep winning. It, it's intoxicating, and it's it's your oxygen. So uh, keep it rolling. Oh yes, sir. Go Irish and. If you need me on for anything, just shoot me a DM. I got you. Well, well through you, uh, uh, follow there. Thank you, AJ, for joining us on tonight's Pleasure. show. At AJ Desai, D-E-S-A-I-4 on the Twitter. Thank yes. you for helping us out. Yes, sir. Go Irish. Go Good night, everyone. Irish. Thank you, for everyone, for joining us. This is episode 33 of this season volume 85 we'll be back next week for one more breakdown of stats and then we'll go dark for lent uh coming up to the spring uh newsflash we will have a uh a new announcement next week with the show so stay tuned for that it's a little, little nugget for you go irish and we'll see you next week